Good morning. Good morning. Ain't it a great morning? Welcome to our Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Program. We call it the Gestalt Garden, and I'm your host, horticulturist Felder Rushing. Our host, our producer, is the awesome Java Chapman. We're going to have fun for the next hour or so talking about gardening in the deep south. Coming up in today's Labor Weekend Garden Party, I'm going to give you a heads up on some things you can be doing in this muggy uh, southern summer. Share a few interesting emails, but mostly we are live here at MPB. In addition to some really cheesy music coming up in about 30 minutes, I'm going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. So sit back, folks. We're going to take a few minutes of news, come back before starting this informal party we call the Gestalt Gardener. We're getting ready to get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture Spelled Rushing, and we're talking about gardening. So if you're up for that, give us a call, one eight seven seven. Uh oh, yeah, that's right. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Java, I cannot remember numbers, man. No, you okay, man? We uh, <laughs> you know, you you you're Felder, so it's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Hey, uh, y- y'all do anything for Labor Day? Just laying low, or you got to work Monday? Uh, no, we actually we have we have the uh, Monday off uh, per Governor Phil Bryant and Ronnie Agnew, so we're just gonna you know hang out and enjoy the day. All righty, hug your boys, man, because they're gonna grow up way way too fast. Man, they they've been kicking getting kicked pretty hard down in Texas, Louisiana, haven't they? Yeah, it's uh, I mean, you know, the I guess the worst of it as far as the rain has stopped, but uh, yeah, the yeah. flooding is still big, and and people are still being rescued from kind of remote areas, so it's an ongoing thing, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty bad, and the bigger that you know, but you you can't compare Katrina and 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 this thing but they're both really really bad. Uh I've got some real good friends who live in Houston including some folks from from Jackson they're high and dry and have electricity but I've got some real good friends who have a garden center there that uh has got beautiful gardens. It's kind of place where you go there and they have beautiful gardens with all types of shrubs and flowers and perennials and garden art. And what you see, if you like it, they've got it for sale, which is different than, than we do it here. But anyway, they've been underwater, but they got their chickens up out of the way. they got their beehives up above the water. They said it's just a chance to rearrange things because none of them, thankfully, got hurt. But um, anyway, it's, it's, it's weird. And by the way, I'm going to be in the studio. I'm coming back to Mississippi this, this next week. I'm going to be in the studio next week. You're coming back? You're uh, you coming to see us? <laughs> I am, I am. You know, I, I, I got to come back and see what what's, what my garden looks like. Uh, apparently, it's had plenty of rain, even though I had a friend named Mark Romer who's been taking care of it for me. But uh, the the news about this hurricane has dominated the news in in England. I mean, it just dominates it. So everybody all over the world is concerned about all that. Okay, that's so anyway, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, getting past, it, we got to eye on those that are out in the Gulf, uh, out in the Atlantic. Though maybe if nothing else, uh, we get a little bit of rain out of it. So uh, who knows? Hey, there's uh, there's some some things coming up. I don't have any um, any events that I know of that are garden related this weekend, but there's a, a, a good bit of stuff happening this month. And while we're waiting for some folks to give us a call, we're going to be uh, talking about things that are going on. I give uh, quite a few presentations around the region to garden clubs and master garden groups and libraries. 
Um, but there, this could be some coming up next week in Strawberry Plains Audubon Center. It's up uh, in North Mississippi uh, near Holly Springs. They have an incredible hummingbird and butterfly festival starting next Friday, 8th, 9th, and 10th, just north of Holly Springs. And uh, I went there last year, got me some great native plants for, for my garden. They're beautiful, plus they're great for hummingbirds and butterflies. But it's, it's a, you can't imagine hummingbirds so thick, it's like you're being attacked by a bunch of bumblebees. You can take a tennis racket and, uh, to, to keep them off. But anyway, that's going to be next weekend at Strawberry Plains Audubon Center. Uh, also, I got an email this past week from a guy named Robert Amenta who found a giant edible mushroom in his garden, a really big one. He had it identified by... Uh, the Mississippi State experts, and it's a type that can get up to three feet across in Florida and on the Gulf Coast. It's edible. Um, but coincidentally, the Crosby Arboretum uh, down just outside Picayune along the Mississippi-Louisiana coast, assuming that they're not getting rained out uh, next weekend, they're going to have a real special mushroom walk Saturday, September the 9th. It's from 10 o'clock till noon. And if you want to learn more about our Mississippi mushrooms, including the edible kind, you can bring a collecting basket to the Cause of Arboretum in Picayune next Saturday morning, September 9th. Uh, Dr. Juan Mata, who's from University of South Alabama, is going to lead a guided mushroom walk the Arboretum grounds. So if you want to come, uh, come dressed to go outside. If you want to bring a knife and some gloves and a basket or a bag to collect some, you can. Uh, cost to non-members is $5, but it's a beautiful place to visit. Uh, come dressed outside. Put on some mosquito repellents, too. Uh, also, the Mississippi Gourd Festival is only two weeks away, September 15th, 16th. I go there, try to get there every year, the Smith County Ag Complex in Raleigh. Uh, it's a lot of fun, real, real interesting um, with, with uh, festival classes. Um, they're going to have handcraft, ready-to-craft gourds, gourds crafting classes, demonstration tools. Anyways, indoors with air conditioning, and I think you would have a real good fun. Take your family there. It's a whole lot of fun. Again, that's going to be at, in uh, Smith County Ag Complex in Raleigh. If you want more information about that, go to MississippiGorgeSociety.org, or Expansional Organization, of course. I've got two other things i like to, to mention. Uh, the Mobile Herbs uh, Show is going to be at the end of September. I'm the keynote speaker. And, uh... Felder, did we lose you? I know we're talking to you from all over the globe. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Ooh, hey, Java, am I back? I, I hope you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here with my laptop, I've got my phone, got my headset on and all like that. I don't think I push any buttons, but who knows? Uh, and I'm sorry if I if people lost the information about the Gourd Society Festival, but anyway, that's apparently where I dropped out. So uh, just want to remind folks: next uh, two weeks, MississippiGourdSociety.org, and then uh, coming up the end of September is Wells Fest in Jackson, and a big Herb Society thing down in Mobile that I'm gonna be at. I won't give you more details in case we get lost. Hello, we there? Yeah, we still here. We still here. We got you. Okay, well, see, somebody said, it says somebody's trying to call me, and I just don't know what to do there. So, anyway, I'm with you, right, Java? Yeah, man, let's let's, let's keep the garden party going. We're, we're going to ignore all that other stuff. <laughs> uh, I've been, listen, I've, I've been doing a lot of walking around here. It's, 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 you know, it's only in the 60s. It gets up to 70 here in the daytime, and so we're going to be um, 
Well, I'm going to be doing a lot of walking now because it's going to be too hot when I get back. I mean, it's pretty hot where you are, ain't it? Yeah, but it's actually actually been kind of cool. I think the high today is supposed to be like about 85 due to, you know, um, uh, tropical storm Harvey now when it came came yeah. this way. Yeah. Uh, kind of dropped the temperatures a little bit. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be, not going to be raining too much. But I do a lot of uh, – I, I belong to a walking group here, and we go up to eight miles a day. This group's been walking around this part of the country since the 1890s. And uh, there's a whole lot of stuff. And uh, usually I just walk a couple of miles each way to a – local pub that sells homemade meat and potato pies. But um, last week I went to a really cool flower show in Southport. It's a really done local show with display gardens and lectures and demonstrations. And they got big show tents. Uh, and, and each tent is like ones for fruits and vegetables and ones for flowers where people come in stuff and show it off and get judged and all like that. So I don't, you got my music, didn't you? Oh yeah, it's and <laughs> I actually took a li- I took a listen to it, and I, you know, I still don't know where you find this stuff. Well, this this particular show, it's not that they have a, a a a largest vegetable competition down in Wales every year. They have one in America too, but down in Wales. But all the flower shows, people, local people, bring in their biggest carrots, and I've seen cabbages that wouldn't fit in a wheelbarrow, and uh, just you know, just onions bigger than my head. But anyway. I saw a giant squash, a type of a, a type. Actually, it's a type of of uh, of uh, squash. They call it. You know what a zucchini is. You know we have yellow squash and zucchini squash. Well, a lot of people don't realize if you let a zucchini get too big, it becomes a different creature. It's called a marrow. Marrow is a large mature zucchini squash. Um, it's like a zucchini on steroids, literally. Uh, matter of fact. Uh, when they get really big, people have actually died from eating overmature squash because uh, it's got um, stuff like zucchinis and pumpkins, cucumbers. They have this toxin uh, that's chemically classified as a steroid. If you eat too much of it, uh, it can wipe you out. Anyway, uh, we're going to be listening to a cheesy tune coming up a little while about the biggest marrow at the flower show. So anyway, have we got any phone calls? Or did I blow that too? No, we just got one. That's why I uh, I just was saying that we need to um, say that you can give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You know, if you want to get your garden questions answered this morning. But Felder, yesterday on Creature Conference, we actually had a, um, a show uh, about hummingbirds, and you know, the question always came up about what type of flowers are you know the hummingbird flowers and. Um, I thought you could kind of speak to that, you know, this morning because hummingbirds yeah. are like the thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and, and you know, we we really ought to guard for the hummingbirds, not just because the hummingbirds need the nectar, but uh, believe it or not, hummingbirds don't live on just nectar and sugar water. They eat little tiny spiders and aphids and ants. You know, they got to get protein from someplace, so they actually eat anything that can fit in their little bitty mouth. Uh, but they, they, they do go for nectar, and generally anything that's good for butterflies and honeybees is also good for hummingbirds. Hummingbirds can get their long nose and that, that tongue of theirs into to some flowers, long, narrow necks like native salvias uh, and any kind of tube-shaped flower hummingbirds really like. But in general, if, if uh, butterflies like it, if uh, uh, honeybees like it, if it's got nectar to it, Hummingbird is going to like it, too. Next week, I can give a good list of some of the most commonly grown things. But my favorite is just plain old salvias. Our perennial blue salvias are just terrific hummingbird plants. 
anyway, so I, I wouldn't worry too much about what you're planting as long as you're just planting something. That's my approach. Uh, let's go to uh, up to the Delta and talk with A.J. Good morning, A.J. Howdy. Hey, good morning. I appreciate you taking my call. I want sure. to ask you a question about uh, blueberry bushes. Um, I, okay. I bought a piece of property that's got about 25 blueberry bushes on it, and they're real growthy. I don't know if it's past time for pruning, or and if, if, if pruning is appropriate, how much cutting uh, measurement-wise should be done on a blueberry bush annually? Yeah, it's it's a real good question, AJ, but it really is kind of too late because if you prune them now, they'll put out new growth, but it doesn't have time for the new growth to come out and mature and set flower buds before fall. So typically we try to get our pruning done on blueberries and other spring-blooming things by sometime in the middle or so of July. That gives them time to, to recover, put out new growth, and settle down. Uh, what, what I would do is not, not anything this year, but next year do two things. In the spring, when new growth comes up from the ground, I don't know if you notice they have little suckers that come up from the ground. Right. If you'll snip the, if you'll snip the tips off those and they get knee high and three feet or so high, they will branch out and make new bushes. In other words, don't, don't let them shoot straight up. Make them branch out by cutting those any time up until about the middle of July. And then the new growth that comes on, the part that has blueberries, will also put on new growth. And you can snip the tips off of it and it will bush out for the following year. So typically, we prune the new growth in the uh, late spring, whether it's coming up from the ground or on the old stuff. And then when you get through picking, if parts of it are getting too tall to pick, just cut those out. As soon as you get through picking, just cut the tall stuff out, and the rest of it that you tip prune will fill in pretty quickly. Without pruning, will they possibly yield next year? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They, you know, they, the, the stuff that's on it right now will have flowers in the late winter. Okay. And uh, and then that's where your berries are. And then what grows on after that does it for the next year. So the main thing is, is if we have a late freeze, sometimes you know that'll nip. The, if the plants are really tall, they're not very compact. Uh, you know the, the flowers can get nipped by a late freeze. But main thing is just just don't worry about it so much this year. But next spring and early summer, snip on the new growth, and then okay. anything you can't pick, cut it out. That'd be great. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. All right. Oh, 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 let me throw this out. Have you got mulch around your plants, like uh, bark or leaves or anything? I have. I do. Okay, because they really, really like that. You know, they're, they're, they're native to a really woodsy, rich, peaty, uh, type of soil. And piling a bunch of mulch really roots a whole lot. What about, what about fertilizer? Uh, blueberries like a little fertilizer. We're talking about a scant handful per plant per year, somewhere around the base, and sometime in the spring. But just don't overdo it. They don't like a lot. All right. Thanks, Felder. Appreciate it. Okay, Jay. Good luck, man. Thanks. All right. Let's go to Startville and talk with Joan. Hey, Joan. Good morning. Oh, hello. Hey, is this Joan? Yes, it is. Um, I have a question Hi. about Joan Bell. Um, I have an area with pine straw, and underneath the pine straw, I have some daffodils. And um, right now, there's a lot of weeds on the pine straw. I round up on those weeds with certain bulbs underneath. The daffodils and other bulbs that don't come up until late winter, Roundup only kills what you get it on the green growing parts of. So, you know, all my daffodils don't even start coming up till uh, November or December. So as long as there's nothing green and growing there that you want, it's safe to use a Roundup. You don't have to really douse it. Just mix it according to directions and then wet the foliage or whatever is green and growing. And it will not hurt the soil or anything that's dormant under there. It really won't. 
perfect. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All righty. Good luck on it. Appreciate your call. All righty, folks, you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring 877-MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. By the way, I'd like to take a, an opportunity to thank all the folks who last week who supported MPB and the Gestalt Gardener through our drive time. Had a really good turnout. Appreciate all you folks who are supporting this garden party and are sustaining members of it. Really appreciate that. As soon as I get back next week, I'm going to send out those garden viewers to all the folks who, who helped us out again. Every single listener supports it. Well, we appreciate everybody, but the folks who support us, we deeply appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, we do want to send a special thank you to um, to our sustainers, our new sustainers. We um, uh, had a, a really large number of sustainers this pledge drive, and you know, those are the people who continuously give throughout the year so like felder said we we appreciate you know everyone but those sustainers are you know they're they're very close to our hearts <laughs> yeah hey, uh, by the way last week uh since, since then i visited two more garden art shows up over here they have really nice gardens but sometimes they have permanent displays of art or temporary displays of garden art i went to two garden art shows up in scotland visited some private and some uh, public botanic gardens in different seasons. I've been up there, you know, in the springtime and haven't been in the late summer when a whole different slew of plants are in bloom. But right now, hydrangeas are in full bloom over here. You know, we sort of take the old-fashioned mop head or French hydrangeas, you know, the ones with the, the blue or the pink flowers, we sort of take them for granted, but there's a whole bunch of others. Uh, I really adore our native oak leaf hydrangeas, sort of off-white. Uh, they're native woodland plants that go really, really well, but... Um, also, there, there's a, a type of flatter, a type of hydrangea with flatter flowers ringed with big sterile flowerlets. Uh, you know, they're called lace caps. They're close related to the mop heads. They're really, really pretty. And also, we have a large type called a PG hydrangea. It's a bigger plant. Uh, my friend Lloyd Moncrief has one in his garden, one called limelight. It flowers uh, in summer, late summer. Limelight is a big plant with sort of a yellowish-white flower. And I want to throw out that Loy is going to be hosting the incredible homegrown plant sale uh, at the end of this month at Wells Fest in Jackson. But I'll give details on that a little bit later. Meanwhile, let's go to Hattiesburg. Good morning, Gardner. How are you? Hey, doing good. Hey, sir. Good. What's up, man? Well, um, I just wanted to ask a question or two. Um, I am a college student, Southern Miss, and I have a house, and I want to plant a garden. And I remember my parents growing uh, a bunch of purple whole peas and beans and squash. And uh, we had a muscadine vine when I was in high school. But I don't know what I'm doing. And I was just going to ask you, if I started a garden, what would be a good beginner thing to grow that I could plant now or in the next week? Yeah, Oh, this 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 is great. Are you renting or buying this house? You plan on being a golden eagle forever or what? Yeah, I mean, I'll be in this house at least another a year or so. Okay, well, you don't want to invest too much in digging the dirt. The reason why I'm saying this is because digging dirt and planting is a lot of trouble and effort. Uh, but if you want to do that, rent a tiller. Go to one of these homes, you know, uh, big box stores. You can rent a tiller for a couple of hours and wear it out and then take it back and you're done with it. But uh, to me, it's a lot easier to grow in big containers, uh, they could be okay. low things. They could be, uh, you know, you could get a, a, a cheap kid's swimming pool, put some holes in the bottom, fill it with dirt, and grow all sorts of stuff in that. And when you're done with it, just put it out on the curb. Uh, but containers or small raised beds are a lot easier. 
and a lot cheaper than, than doing a bunch of digging. So anyway, if you'll shoot me an email, I'll get you a little bit more detail about that. But meanwhile, it's too late to plant summer stuff like squash and peppers and tomatoes. Uh, we're several, almost a month past the recommended time for that. But now's the time to start setting out things like uh, colorful different lettuces from seed, mix different colored lettuces together. You can grow broccoli and cabbage, uh, cauliflower, um, maybe, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know any college students that eat beets, but you can plant beets and carrots and stuff right now, too. But mainly we're getting into the to the season for growing things like leafy greens. And one in particular you ought to give a try is called kale, K-A-L-E. And oh, yeah. There's several different kinds. Yeah, but there's one that's called Russian kale or lacinata. Some people call it dinosaur kale, but it's kind of a blue color. That plant is knocked out, drop-dead gorgeous. And even if you don't like to eat it, your friends will think it's so cool that you're growing kale. But plant some kale where it can get some size on it, some different lettuces around the edge, maybe some turnips if you want them, and, uh, and, and go that route, preferably in big containers rather than digging in the dirt. whole lot easier, my friend. Awesome. Thank you. Well, that's the start. Again, shoot me an email. I'll be glad to help you. Yeah, I will. Thanks. All right. Okay, good luck. Yeah, we got us a, a golden eagle fixing to grow some veggies. Let's go to Olive Branch. Hey, Robert, how are you this morning? Fine. Good. What's up? Doing what great. With? Good. What's up? Well, I, I've got a, a lawn of, of centipede grass, and I have yeah. a, a pretty shady lawn, uh, and uh, I'd like to know what to do this fall to treat my lawn. Uh, well, two things. First of all, if you haven't already done this, raise your lawnmower up to the highest or the next to highest setting. Cut it high because that gives it the energy it needs to, to really thicken up before fall. So mow high. Second of all, if you haven't fertilized it this year, give it a light feeding of this stuff they call centipede food. It's called centipede food. Uh, the bag will have three numbers. The first and third number will be the same with the zero middle number, like 15015 or 18018, but it will be called centipede food. Give us some centipede food in the next week or two, mow high, and that's about all you need to do. Okay. All right. Uh, so it will be uh, like 15015. Yeah, well, it should say centipede food on the bag. And but the Should first and third number, food. first and third number will be the same zero middle number. But again, don't put it on thick. Just mow high, fertilize light, and uh, that should should really thicken it up over the next couple of months, and it'll settle down before winter. That'll help control any kind of weeds. Uh, nothing like a good thick lawn to keep your winter weeds down. All right, thank you, sir. All right, appreciate it. Felder, is it uh, yeah. any any reason why you should mow low? You always say mow high. Is there any reason why you would mow low? No, unless you have, you know, it, it, I don't know. Uh, you you went to, a, you were at uh, Power APAC. My son was there too, but he also took class over at Murray and played football. If you ever played soccer, those kind of grass and athletic turfs are designed to be mowed real real close. Other grasses grow on top of the ground, and when you cut close, it cuts off all their leaves, which are plant factories. And so St. Augustine centipede grow best when they're nice and thick. And if you cut them close, they, they thin out, they get, you know, it's like starving the plants, and uh, you get a bunch of weeds. So no, should never mow low unless you got a Bermuda or hybrid Bermuda grass. That's just a, a, a long-standing turf fact. By the way, this is the last call 
for fertilizing for fall. A lot of people want to winterize their lawn. You put fertilizer out now to get it ready for winter. You don't wait till winter to fertilize. If you wait, it's going to push the grass a little bit too much, too close to fall. So if you're going to winterize your lawn, this is the week to do it. So, hey, we have time to go to Belzona before we listen to cheesy music. Yes, we're going to go to Belzona, and then we're going to take care of Barbara and Picayune, and then we're going to play this um I don't this cheesy song about this big big tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, big big giant zucchini. Okay, let's go up to Belzona. Hey, Mark, what's going on in the Delta? Hey, fellow, how are you? Uh, right, not a whole lot. Uh, just trying to stay wet, uh, dry from the rain. But I <laughs> yeah, have good a question. Luck. Yeah, I know. I have a question for for you. Oh my God, I got uh, problems with uh, things like barnyard grass. Uh, barnyard weeds and uh, uh, chickweeds and peas, yeah. and it, it, yeah. it's just everywhere all the time. And what I was thinking oh, yeah. about doing was putting down some uh, 2,4-D or uh, uh, whatever else that I need to put down to get rid of those weeds. But once I get okay. rid of them, I was thinking about burning them. You know, once no. they're dry, just burn them. Yeah. And so that would be yeah. Here, here, a couple of things. First of all, weeds and gardening and farming are just part of the same word. You know, it's hard to because what will kill weeds will kill vegetables. Uh, the 2,4-D will wipe out your your garden. I mean, it's 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 not labeled for use around any kind of edible crops because it'll kill them and poison what it doesn't kill. Burning just burns it right down. You're a whole lot better off killing it which sort of breaks it up. I know it spreads it, but, you know, you can burn it and chop it and weed it and spray it, and more weeds are going to come back from seed. So if you've got a big garden, you really need to start thinking like a farmer and growing in rows so you can till in between the rows which, and then throw that dirt up to your plants to bury them because there, there's not any easy-to-use, safe weeds for the garden. There are some no, no. weed killers. Yeah, what I, when I put okay. out the, the 2,4-D or whatever, I won't have any vegetables, anything growing in it at that time. That is just to kill right, but the grass, you know, yeah, make sure the yeah, grass but, is green. So when yeah. I burn it, it'll burn easier. Yeah, well, you could do that, but you're going to have to till it before you plant anyway, and tilling does the same thing. If you, you spray stuff and then you burn it, that doesn't get rid of any of the, the, the seeds out there. See, so when you okay. till it up, okay. that does the same thing as spraying and, and burning, but then you got to deal with those that come back from seeds. So. If you have yeah. stuff like nutgrass, it's a perennial thing like Bermuda grass and nutgrass, that's different. But things like pigweed and, and these uh, these pasture grasses, just simply tilling them does as good a job as all that other trouble and effort. And then you just got to yeah. keep more from coming back. Yeah, that's the problem. So, I mean, it's, once it's, I till it, 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 it's going to come back. Even if I till it, you know, 15 times, it's coming back, you know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But it's going to come back if you spray it and burn it. So, you yeah, know, okay. I, I just okay. skip that step and just till it. Okay. In, in other words, right. the, 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 burning, the spraying and burning ain't going to do any, any more than just plain old tilling well. It's what a lot safer. Pre, what about pre-emergence? Is that any good for, like, Treflan or something? There, there, there are some pre-emergence. Treflan, which is sold under different brand names, it does a good job on keeping a lot of those weed seeds from sprouting. But the problem is you got to till it up, row it up, put the Treflan or, or the, the pre-emerge on top of the ground and lightly work it in so it's not sitting down on top of the ground. you got to mix it in with the top little inch or so of dirt. 
And so that's that's something you do before you plant in the spring. You till it up, you row it up, you put that stuff and just lightly rake it in, then you plant. Okay. So that's that's the way they work. But it ain't right. nothing you can spray out there now that's going to do do much good against next year's weeds. So yeah, I would just like uh, the, whole, the whole summer fighting it in fall, fighting those type weeds, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have, I have gonna, a cultivator. I can go down through it and cultivate it and all, but still, it's that, still a lot of work. But, but believe it or not, that's the best most gardeners can do. That's what farmers do. You know, I mean, they, you know, the, the difference is they grow one single crop and they have a herbicide that work on that. But when you mix different kinds of vegetables together, what will kill weeds in one vegetable will kill other vegetables. See, so, you know, you, you, it, it, it ain't easy what I'm saying. One thing you might want to consider doing, uh, Mark, would be to uh, break up your garden into smaller gardens and treat each one like a, a unique garden so you can plant stuff. And then when it's harvested, you can redo that section without having to do the whole garden at one time. Break it up into two or three or four smaller gardens and treat each one like its own garden. A whole lot easier than trying to keep, keep, take care of a whole field full of vegetables. That's what I suggest. <laughs> okay. It, it ain't easy, man. If, All if right, man. Thanks shoot, a lot, man. Shoot, shoot me an email. We can do a whole lot more arm wrestling on this. Okay, folks, uh, by the way, our email is garden at mpbonline.org, garden at mpbonline.org. Got some cheesy music about a big vegetable contest coming up, but let's go down to Picayune and see what Barbara's up to. Good morning, Barbara. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Listen, you were talking about hydrangeas. Well, I have a lace cap that did not bloom this year. Uh Uh-huh. So I was wondering why that might be, because I've always... bloomed in the past yeah Yeah, but you know and this is something that is kind of frustrating for me because hydrangeas are so popular they're so southern uh but they actually grow better in cooler climates than what we have here so um you know if if sometimes if we don't have a cold enough winter or the plants are stressed from too much rain or too dry or too much fertilizer hydrangeas are a little bit fickle about blooming and sometimes even in hydrangea society gardens some of their plants don't bloom because of just weather. Uh, well, they so, uh, did get frostbit last, but they they leafed out, and I thought they were going to flower, but they didn't. The other thing not, is, not, we were not, talking not, about my dead willow tree. Well, I had uh, someone saw off all the branches, and I'm letting the trumpet vine climb up, and it's right. going to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And by the way, the hydrangeas, it's not a matter of, uh, of a cold spell. It's a what they call a chilling period. My daffodils, which belonged to my great grandmother, never failed to bloom. They bloomed hardly at all this year because it wasn't cold enough in the winter. Oh, I so, see. Okay, so, well, well, it, I'll just wait for spring. Thank you. Give it, give it a little bit of fertilizer next spring. Try not to, to prune them too hard, and let's just see. Because some years hydrangeas will bloom better than others, even in a hydrangea society garden. Okay, thanks. Okay, good luck. Ooh, it sounds like I'm, I'm uh, sort of cheating and hedging on that, folks, but it is true. Plants are fickle. Weather is fickle, and you can have three plants in a row, and one does great, and the other two don't do so well, or vice versa. That happens in my garden. Anyway, we're going to listen to some cheesy music. This is about a giant zucchini called Amaro. We'll be back with more of Gestalt Gardener. Right after this, I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. My producer, Jabba Chapman, we'll be right back with you after this little bit of cheesy music here on MPB. 
the road there lives a man I'd like you all to know. He grew a great big marrow for the local flower show. When the story got around, they came from far and wide. And when the people saw the marrow, everybody cried. Oh, what a beauty! I've never seen one as big as that before. Oh, what a beauty! It must be two feet long or even more. Such a lovely colour, and nice and round and fat. I never thought a marrow could grow as big as that. Oh, what a beauty! I've never seen one as big as that before. Oh, 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 what a beauty! The flower show was held and everybody went To see the great big marrow lying there inside the tent Soon the judges came along to give the prizes out They only took one look at it and then began to shout It's stupendous! It's colossal! It's gigantic! It's bigger than that! Oh, what a beauty! And nice and round and fat I never thought a marrow could grow as big as that Oh, what a beauty We've never seen one as big as that before Oh, I've never seen one as big as that before Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Okie dokie, job. I came up with another really cheesy one, didn't I? You did. Uh, we were in, but me, uh, Kevin Farrell, we in here tapping our feet. <laughs> it sounded like a, it, it sounded like something off of one of those kind of, I guess, sixty seventies Disney's movie or something like that. <laughs> it, it it could very well be, but I tell you, the folks over here take their gardening seriously. Most people who have gardens have very small gardens. They don't they don't think like farmers like we do. They have raised beds, small raised beds, containers. Uh, I mean, this is the way everybody gardens here, and they treat each little container or each raised bed, which may only be three or four feet wide by six or eight feet long. They treat that as a separate garden so it's easy to plant, harvest, dig, replant without having to have a tiller and all that kind of stuff. Once you get in the habit of having several small gardens or several big containers, it's pretty easy to keep things going all the time without working up, not really breaking a sweat. And that's, that's the way I garden at home. Uh, by the way, when I get home this next week, I've got Rick Griffin coming over to help me uh, redesign my green roof entry arbor. You know, Java near the near the street, I got these huge iron poles with a, a raised garden on top. I'm going to take that off and uh, put a different kind of uh, topping on it with maybe some great big giant hanging baskets of flowers and vegetables and herbs and succulents. Is I'm that where you had your? Um, you talking about where you like to had your basil and stuff and your your rosemary? No, 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 that's that's a that's a great big that's my horse trough. I got a six foot diameter horse trough that I grow stuff in. But no, right by the street, I got this big structure that's got plants on top of it that you walk up under. 
I'm going to take all that off. There's always something, man. Gardeners have always got new projects, and I'm going to plant some stuff where I can see it and reach it better without having to get a ladder and climb up on top of it. I'll show you pictures when I get back, but I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be doing as soon as I hit the ground running next week, man. Well, it should have some good weather for you to do it in. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. It's been really nice over here, but I'll be glad to get back to my garden. A lot of stuff that I miss in my garden uh, that I need to take care of, but I've got a real good friend who said he would stop by every couple of weeks and keep an eye on things, make sure that if they needed watering. And he said he hasn't had to water a thing since I've been gone. So anyway, if folks want to give us a call, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven. MPB ring one eight seven seven MPB ring. We're going to be talking about gardening every Friday. Rebroadcast on Saturday, but I want to remind folks that that all week, Monday through Friday, we have live programs done by local folks about local things. Job is there going to be anybody live Friday? It's going to be rebroadcast or what? I mean Monday. Well, Monday, um, uh, I know Deep South Dining. We're going to run a, a encore program. You know, give Miss Hunter uh, the day off. Let her. Cook for cook up something delicious for her family because you know she's oh, always yeah. she's always feeding us every Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's wonderful. Uh, you know, it, it's such an incredible variety of programs at MPB. You know, and I'm just I what you call a contract employee. I just come in for my gardening program. But I mean, you've got people talking about about wild animals and about health and about building stuff and cooking and legal stuff and just unbelievable stuff. Strictly locally produced. Oh yeah, Monday through Friday, beginning at eight thirty with uh with uh strictly Mississippi um news program uh titled Mississippi Edition. And then we run all the way to twelve noon, uh ending with uh, a different southern remedy every week, uh every day. That was one of our points that we would always say during uh during last week's pledge drive. I mean, some people they just can't make that that doctor trip. So <laughs> like Dr. Rick DeSajo says, you get a doc in a box. Every uh, eleven, every eleven o'clock, <laughs> Monday through Friday. Yep. Hey, listen, I got a, uh, a couple of emails this week. While we're waiting on some calls, one eight seven seven MPB ring. A listener named Margaret sent me a picture of a plant she wanted to identify, and turned out to be a really cool old pass along plant called alligator tears. Some people call it mother of thousands. It's a type of plant called Kalanchoe. Some people say Kalancho. They grow little plantlets, whole plants with leaves, stems, and roots and everything on the tips of their mature leaves. And uh, that's one thing I enjoy doing. People send me pictures of weird things they've never seen before. And luckily for me, I was raised by, by a mother who grew weird plants, a grandmother who grew weird plants, a great-grandmother who grew weird plants. I grow weird plants. And I see things like like uh, what they call monkey face, which a lot of people call achemones and the alligator tears, and all these wonderful old pass-along plants. you hardly ever see them for sale, but people have been growing them and swapping them and sharing them for many, many generations. I love doing that kind of stuff. So if you don't send me a picture, I get stumped a lot, but I've got friends who will help me out. Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I uh, also got an email from Robert, I, I think his seat, S-E-I-T-Z, from Oxford, he said caterpillar dropping onto his car from an old oak tree, big caterpillar falling out of the tree, and they've been chewing up his leaves, and he was really starting to freak out about it. And I said, no problem. By the time they're big enough to fall out of the tree, they pretty well have done all their damage for the season. It's over with. No way to spray a tree anyway, but by the time we notice caterpillar damage, 
they pretty well have done all they're, they're going to, and they're going to move on. No way to prevent them. They rarely ever hurt a mature tree. So these are kind of reassuring type of things I like to help folks with. Instead of trying to sell you something, I'm going to try to tell you something. Hey, I like that. Instead of selling it, I'm going to be telling it. How about that, Java? You can, I'm going to put a beat behind you. We're going to um, let you cut an album. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my, okay, we're not even go there. Let's, let's, let's talk to Jack. He's calling from Madison. Hey, Jack, save me here, man. What's up? Hey, pal, this is John. Uh, I was at, oh, John. Uh, we were at the uh, Missouri Botanic Garden a couple of weeks ago, wow. which was pretty What a great place. What a great, great place. Uh, yeah, it was just there was just too much to see, but there were a couple of flower, a couple of plants that I was real interested in. And before I got online to see about ordering, I wanted to see what you thought about if we could grow them here. One was called Possum Hall. Yeah, Possum Hall. That's native. You know, you see it if you in this winter. If you when everything is gone, all the leaves are gone. If you'll drive up towards Canton and look on the side of the, the uh, along the, uh, the the hedge rows, the fence rows. You'll see plants that are, they're like small trees or really big shrubs, nothing but just bare branches and lots of red berries. That's, That's our native possum hall. Yeah, uh, well, and here's so, the deal, though. Possum hall is a holly, and they come in separate male and female. So if you want to have berries, you got to make sure you plant at least one male for, for, for two or three females. And they sell them. The same place that, that sells the female possum halls online will sell a pollinator. They go by weird names like Southern gentleman. <laughs> That's the name of a male possum. You need to get a male one with your 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 others. Well, how big do they get? Oh, uh, well, they're they're not they're not exactly trees, but they're too big to be a bush. If that makes sense. Okay, but the you know, berries small, are I would the say berries small. are real cool in the wintertime. I, they didn't have berries on them when I saw them. Yeah, no, there's, there's, matter of fact, there's one right outside the MPB studio. What they're really noted for, and they're, they're striking, is bare branches, lots of twigs covered with red, red berries okay. in the winter. And you just train them like a small tree? No, you just you just set it out there and let it rip. It'll grow into you know it'll grow naturally into you know put it out where it can get some elbow room. You know how big a dogwood gets or a small crepe myrtle? Sure, yeah. That same sort of same thing. Okay, okay. The second one I wanted to ask you about was called blanket flower. Blanket flower. That's Gallardia. You probably saw that right outside that great big dome uh, indoor uh, greenhouse type thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, blanket blanket flower is Gillardia. It grows wild. It's another native plant. It grows wild along on the Gulf Coast. It grows best in a kind of a poor sandy type soil. You see it out in in East Texas along the Gulf Coast. You want to grow it. Just you know, put it in a place that gets lots of sun and not a whole lot of fertilizer. Because where you saw it was probably in their little alpine area uh, by their great big conservatory, growing with a bunch of other in rocks and in in uh, 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 cactus and succulent type stuff. So it won't do very well in this clay. No, but if you work up your dirt pretty good and put it out there without, it's a good companion plant for other stuff. It's more of a ground cover. You see it along the just growing on roadsides along the Gulf Coast and out in Texas, just in real miserable dirt along the edge of the uh, of the, the road, that kind of place. So okay. I mean, it'll do okay. The main thing is don't water it a bunch, don't fertilize it a bunch. Okay, all right. Well, well you can, you can. What's that? I said, I appreciate it. I, I, uh, I didn't want to go order something and then have it just watch it die. But it's good to know they're native plants. I didn't know if 
St. Louis is a little far north of us, so I wasn't sure I'd be able to grow it here. Well, they grow some stuff that, that St. Louis is sort of getting a little bit south for or things that St. Louis is a little bit north for. I don't know if you had a chance, but uh, way back in the back of the garden, they've got a uh, like a maze. And just past there, they have a stumpery. It's the first time I've ever seen it there where they have a, a wooded area. And they just pile up a bunch of old stumps and plant ferns and stuff around it. Anyway, it's one of the coolest botanic gardens in the country. I, I thought it was awesome, yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks for your call, man. I do appreciate that. Appreciate all the calls we get here. How we doing, Sir Jonas? See, Felder, I told you, man, we're going to have a problem. What? You call me Jonas What's again. That? Oh, no, 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 no. Even though last Friday Jonas came up to uh came up and and paid a visit during the players drive. Even even we we even put him to work. <laughs> you, you, Joe, Joe Nasty came back to town. Yeah, he came back to town and uh he he came up here and and talked to the old gang. <laughs> yeah, well, for for what it's worth, I call you that cuz it starts with a J. How about if I just call you JJ, Sir Java? Um, I think <laughs> Sir, no, Sir Java sounds Java. better. <laughs> you, you, you keep you keep calling me out. It's okay. I'm I'm sort of used to it. You know, I've got an old old uh, brain uh, 2.0 brain. Yeah, but um, anyway. let's go to let's go to James on the road. He's been holding, and uh, I think he wants to say something. Okay, hey James, where are you calling from, man? I'm close to Durant right now. All righty. What's up? Um, I want to know what I can do about pink root fungus. It wiped out my onions last year. Obviously, I can't get rid of all the dirt. Is there anything I can do to get rid of the fungus? You know, that's a, that's a good question, and it's been years since I even thought about I mean, years since I even thought about that. And my first inclination is there's not anything practical um, but I don't remember if it likes or doesn't like organic matter. This is one of those kind of things where some, some fungus, if you add a bunch of compost, it actually fires up the disease, and some, some fungi, it wipes them out having too much. Or I just can't remember which it is. If you get a chance, could you shoot me an email? I'll do, I mean, I'm going to go immediately online and, and refresh myself. But if you could shoot me an email, then we'll come up with, with something. If, if nothing else, just rotating your onions to a different place or even growing them in containers because onions grow very well in containers. Uh, yeah, okay. And the other I, and it, was, yeah. was buckeye. I think, it's, I think it's a fungus also that wiped out Buc- my tomatoes. Oh, if we, I have a book written in the 1930s that's 32 pages of just diseases of tomatoes, just diseases. Uh, if the foliage does, it was, this is on your on your fruit though, right? It was on both. Okay, both. the the book out that rot that gets on the fruit is almost always caused by too wet, just plain old too wet. There are some fungicides you can use on the leaves and on the fruit that'll help con- prevent these things once they get started. You know, you have to spray ahead of time to protect them from getting infected. And when we have a lot of rain and humidity, we're going to have stuff like buckeye rot and also all sorts of leaf diseases. There's just no way around that. Moving the plants around doesn't even help on these because these are airborne. So uh, other than giving the plants plenty of space, a good air circulation, there are a couple of fungicides that are safe to use. You can spray them right up until the day of harvest. And they do a good job, and you have to apply them every couple of weeks or a couple of rains, whichever will come first, to keep it from spreading, not to, not to cure it. 
But uh, anyway, uh, the, 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 the pink thing, shoot me an email because I'm curious. I'm going to look that one up whether you email me or not. She might as well email me. That help? That's it. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> I don't know it all, folks. There's some stuff I wish I didn't know. There's some stuff I just can't remember. Uh, let's go down to Gulfport and see if we got time to, to, to talk to Phil real quick about about uh, grass yellowing. What's up, Phil? Hey, good morning. Um, three yeah. quick little questions. I planned, had a large triple trunk maple removed from my front yard and the yeah. ground down below the um, ground level. But the yeah. yard is still engorged with its root system. I put sod in, and in that area, the grass is turning yellow or staying yellow. Yeah, right a couple of things. Did, was there? Did, did you have the trunk ground up? Yes, but it couldn't. It couldn't go too far. Maybe by a whole new uh, system. <laughs> That's how much roots. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, we have several diseases that can cause grass to yellow. But if you've got new sod, it can stay too wet or too dry, and it's going to be yellower than the ground around. These are just general comments I'm making. Uh, There are some problems associated with a lot of bark in the soil. As it decomposes, it actually pulls nitrogen out of the soil, the bacteria that that break down the bark. And, uh, and it'll pull nitrogen away from your grass. You can compensate by using a liquid fertilizer every three or four weeks, just wetting the area down with, a, with a, a liquid fertilizer or put a winterizer out now to help compensate for the, for the nitrogen that's being used up as the old bark decomposes. And just and, uh, you, fertilize it? What's it? Say uh, what? Just spot, just doing it out spot. Yeah, yeah, just just real light. All we're trying to do is, and you know, use the liquid stuff. It bypasses the roots. It's sort of like a well, it's a foliage feed. Get something like Miracle Grow. One of those things you hook on the end of the hose. You don't have to really soak it. Just just wet it down good with the liquid fertilizer, and shoot, within three or four days, it should green right up. Otherwise, and, and if it doesn't, shoot me an email because we may have a little brown patch or some disease going there. All righty, folks, sound like we're out of time. I'm going to be in the studio next week. Looking forward to being back home. The Gestalt Garden is a Mississippi public broadcasting. My producer is a laid-back Sir Java Chapman. Our phone greeter is Kevin Farrell. I'm your host, Fellow Rushing. I know this Labor Day weekend is kind of hot and humid, wet for some of you. Just hoping your garden fares well and you stay cool and hydrated. And uh, take a walk or drive around the neighborhood. See what's going on in other people's yards and see if you can do some of that in your own this time next year. Take a kid to a farmer's market or a garden center. Take them on a field trip. See if you can find a way to show kids indoors or out what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week back in MPB Studios.